Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We have got an just incredible show in store for you tonight. Wait to hear this. The head, the leader of the Army Corps of Engineers, Lieutenant General Todd Semonite. Yeah, the same general that was recently at the southern border with President Trump just a couple weeks ago. He was in Minot and Fargo today. Very, very big deal to have him here. I had a chance to sit down and visit one-on-one. -on -one. We obviously talked about the FM diversion project. He says that's one of the 20 most important projects in the country to him right now. Uh, we talked a bit about Minot. We also asked him to respond to Senator Kramer's recent statement about waste, fraud, and abuse that's going on at the Army Corps of Engineers in Senator Kramer's eye. So definitely stick around to hear Lieutenant General's response to that. First, though, speaking of the Army Corps of Engineers, Tommy Fisher down at Fisher Industries, they put on another, another build the wall demo today in Arizona. Uh, senators were there, Congress people were there, also the Army Corps of Engineers was there. Plus, Scott Hennon from What's On Your Mind radio show, he was down in Arizona as well for the demo. So Scott met up with Tommy Fisher, he was doing some Facebook Lives. Here's what some, at least, of what Tommy Fisher had to say earlier today. A lot of people are getting to see firsthand how fast you can you know, put the bollard fence in, how fast the concrete goes in. And I think hopefully the grand finale will be in two and a half hours. We'll be pulling back and showing them 56 feet of completed fence. What's that behind me, that big giant tower? That's one of our technology partners, um, mobile uh, technology units. So if you don't have power hooked up, they can go anywhere on the border and still get facial recognition. Um, tunnel detection everywhere else. So in certain places, we're going to show both the technologies. One, if you're in the lights here, with the cameras that are already hooked up to hardline power and the other one. So last thing, who's here seeing this today? A lot of members of Congress, Senate, um, Corps of Engineers, um, media from all over, and hopefully they'll really see what we can do. So great to hear that from Tommy Fisher. Scott Hennon also caught up with Senator Kevin Kramer today as well to get his reaction to the demo. And I want you to listen to this clip. It's a little bit longer kind of clip, but listen to the very end because uh, Senator Kramer says some more things uh, regarding the Army Corps of Engineers. I suggest, hey, maybe we need an ins inspector general to go in and look at the RFP process at the Army Corps of Engineers, how some of these contracts uh, are, are given out, if you will. And so I asked Lieutenant General Seminite about this. You'll hear more about that in just a moment, but here's Senator Kramer down at the demo. What do you think about today so far? Well, I think it's awesome. It's it's what I expected. I expected Fisher to put on a great show and demonstrate, you know, North Dakota ingenuity, work ethic, common sense, in a way that puts the rest to shame. And um, to me, that's what exactly what it looks like. But it's also it also speaks to exactly what I've been talking about with regard to the the, the way things have always been done, and that is. Um, you know, the, the way things have always been done as opposed to innovative ways. This one-step pr process, to me, around around the actual trench, you know, that's that done, the, the, maintaining the integrity of that trench while using, as Tommy says, gravity to your advantage, that's, that's ingenious to me, and I don't know why we'd do it any other way. They've demonstrated why they do their projects under budget and on time. And boy, if that isn't what we need, I don't know what is right now. We have a crisis at the border that demands a solution that requires fast action. Time is of the essence, both in getting started and getting it done. Donald Trump. What, uh, what's, uh, what's well, the plan to go here, back? The, the plan to go back is, I'm going to go back. I'll talk to, I'm going to talk to the president again if, when I can, if I can. But I'm going to talk to 
go back to the Corps of Engineers, talk to the head of the Corps, talk to R.D. James, talk to Secretary Shanahan and say, look, you've got to take a serious look at this. You cannot dismiss it because it's better than anything you've seen before and you can't believe it, or because it's less expensive than you believe a bid can be or should be. You have to pay attention to this and, and um, give this process an opportunity. And you'll never, I don't, I, either everybody else will change and get better or fisher industries will be doing the whole wall. Uh, and either, either one's fine with me. I prefer fisher industries doing the whole wall because frankly, they've, they've earned the right in my view. So let's, you know, I, I just gonna go back and pound, pound on the table some more. And in the meantime, I wanna take a serious look at the Corps of Engineers RFP process. I'm I'm starting to get very suspicious that when the same company always gets a project, even when they're not the lowest you know, cost, that makes me suspicious. And I want to look at the, the RFPs themselves, see if they're designed in a way to favor a particular company, and then take a look at the take a look at the awards process and see if that's that's not um, suspicious as well. I'm very concerned about it. And if I have to, maybe maybe get an inspector general or get another set of eyes looking at the entire process. Because I have, I have a sense that things are being slow walked that need to be sped up. So you heard there Senator Kramer saying, hey, he's getting to be a little bit suspicious of how the Corps is awarding contracts. May even initiate an inspector general to step in and take a look at that. You also may remember that a while back, I think it was early March, Senator Kramer sent a letter to now, now former Secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, about the Army Corps of Engineers. And he says in the letter, he states, and I'm quoting here, that he wanted to share examples of waste, fraud, and abuse at the Army Corps of Engineers. So when I sat down with Lieutenant General Seminite today, I wanted to get his reaction to Senator Kramer's letter, as well as his idea of uh, possibly having an inspectoral general Look at the RFP process. Here's what Lieutenant General Seminite had to say. Is this a letter from Senator Kramer? Got into President Trump's hands. Uh, it was to Secretary Nielsen. I'm going to share with you what he said. These are his words in this note. He says, I want to give you some specific examples of waste, fraud, and abuse at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Talks also about wasting taxpayer money. What's your reaction to his words and comments in this letter? <clears throat> I think, first of all, there's an awful lot of people that hear about the Corps of Engineers that are not fully informed. And it's incumbent upon my leaders to always go be able to knock on the door of any leader and to be able to make sure that if you have an allegation, if you have some data point, and you want us to clarify it, we will do that. We are building all over the world. We're in 110 different countries. There are going to be some projects we might have issues with. But it's important, in a, and I mandate that my guys Go see the leaders and make sure you ed educate them. I talked to Senator Kramer's staff today and volunteered. I'd be love to come in and lay out what we're doing for you with respect to the southwest border. Um, we have not had that chance to have that dialogue. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I have been in the Corps for almost 40 years. I'm extremely aggressive. I'm pushing my guys every single day. We've got to revolutionize how we do work in the Corps of Engineers. So uh, right now, we are looking at the project we're doing. We're doing several projects in the southwest border wall. We have been doing them since 2004 in different spurts. We are very, very committed to what Congress and the administration have told us to do, and that is to be aggressive, to be able to be good stewards of the taxpayers' dollars, to be able to do all this by the federal acquisition process, and Customs and Border Patrol can decide who they get to be their executive agent. We're very honored to be able to work with them, but if they are so inclined to think that they want to go somewhere else, they certainly can. 
right now, they are continuing to come to us to ask us to step up to continue to do whatever that program plays out with with respect to funding. So you suggested that maybe everyone's not fully informed on what the core does. What do you think is missing? We'll use Senator Kramer as an example. What's missing for him that maybe he doesn't fully understand? Well, we, I think we're a very, we do a lot of complex jobs. And so a lot, a lot of times, whether it's how does funding work, uh, a good example, most of the problems right now on timelines on the southwest border is when you go into private land. And I'm not going to get into the intricacies of how to do that, but that gets to be a very, very long road to be able to work through the private land. We want to make sure that every one of those landowners is taken care of, they have their rights, but how do you go through to be able to work that land acquisition? We're really talking an easement there. And so I think that's where it's incumbent upon us to be able to make sure that if there is a elected official or anybody who wants to know how the core works, well, the best thing to do is ask somebody sit down face to face, what are you hearing? What can we tell you to be able to inform you? And then that way, I mean, we have an obligation to Congress to be able to make sure that they are informed. We work for Congress, we work for the administration. It's important that they know the value of what the Corps of Engineers brings to the United States. So just, you know, last thing he suggested today in the video that he may request an inspector general around your RFP process, contract bids, any comments on that? Uh, we have uh, several inspector generals that look at us all the time. I personally have inspector generals that I have go out and look at my things. Uh, we want to be open. We want to be transparent. If anybody thinks that there's things that we can do better in the Corps of Engineers, I'm wide open to any ideas. I think it's incumbent on federal organizations to be able to look the American taxpayers in the eye and say, I mean, in the Army, we are in this not for a salary. We aren't in this for bonus. I don't get shares of some stock, okay? We are soldiers and civilians that are signed up to protect this country. Our only obligation is to do what's right for America. And if somebody thinks that we can, that they can do it better or that we can do it better, I welcome any of the advice anybody wants to give me. Uh, we'll always take it, but a lot of times, uh, there are very, very complicated systems that most people don't necessarily have the full story to be able to make an accurate assessment. So obviously great news there. Lieutenant General Seminite reached out to Senator Kramer's office. So we'll keep you abreast how that conversation progresses. So Lieutenant General Seminite and myself also talked about the FM diversion project as I shared at the top of the show. He says that the diversion project is one of the top 20 projects for the Army Corps of Engineers right now. He also came out and said today that he believes, and this is the first time I'd heard this, maybe you'd heard this before, but he says he believes that they can get the project done, meaning the diversion project, in about six years. As you know, many of us here have talked about this project and we say, hey, it may never get done in our lifetimes. And now he suggests it might get done in six years. So I started my interview with him going, hey, how in the world are you gonna complete this project in just six years? Yeah, so I came in uh, three years ago, and you know, there's an old adage that says, you know, priorities are those things that get resourced. I put my time as my most important priority, so therefore, that's why I came up here right away. That's why I'm here today. Um, I looked at this project as having amazing potential, not just from a flood control perspective, but it goes back to all the other things that this project does. It helps uh, rebuild the economy to a degree so that people know they can make an investment, they won't get flooded back out. Clearly, life safety is always the most important project for the Corps of Engineers. And uh, when I was here a couple years ago, uh, leadership here impressed upon me, the floods that have happened. Even today, flying in, we flew over a lot of the outer fields out there and I, were able, I was able to see, you know, just, uh, just even farmers that are inundated, maybe not houses, but the farms, just knowing that this is something that I had to put as a high on my list. Not necessarily with critical engineering design. I mean, this is hard, but it's not necessarily, you know, brain surgery. But when it came to how do you package a project up to champion a project, and then to be able to get it through the system 
Uh, I think that's where um, perhaps the core can help out the most. You mentioned the economy and give people certainty to make some investments. I think some farmers south of town maybe might disagree with your assessment. So for the people that are upstream, that are south of town, that are against this project, from what I took away from you today is this project, as long as the funding there, this project's gonna be a done deal. So what would be your final pitch to the people down south going, hey, here's why this is You know, I think when, we, uh, when the whole project came across the start line, it was formulated a little bit differently, okay? And, uh, and I think in the last couple of years, perhaps, everybody has been able to be a little bit more collaborative, especially with those that might have been affected more. This project really has changed, and I give the two governors the credit for coming together to be able to say, let's look at some different options. <clears throat> I talked to the commissioner down here, the Diversion Authority, and they have been out talking to all the people, probably most important, those that are affected you know, uh, in, in negatively in some way. Uh, how can we somehow either change this, modify this, what can we do? In the core, we want to be as supportive as possible to try to make sure that we are looking for the benefit of everybody. This is not to be able to disadvantage anybody. Um, it's just sometimes when you do a project of this scale, it's hard to be able to have everybody have, uh, you know, every single thing they want. There's got to be some degree of compromise. But for those that are affected, we certainly feel for those people. And we want to do whatever we can, to, uh, working in concert with the Diversion Authority, to be able to make sure that uh, everybody's taken care of here. How soon are you going to get the full <coughs> amount of the money from the feds appropriated for yeah. this project? So the way that our funding budget works, and I'm talking specifically about the Corps of Engineer budget, this is an annual budget. Very, very seldom will we get a, um, a lump sum that says this is five years worth of money. So we have to actually recompete this. We work off of a thing called the benefit-cost ratio. So then we actually we actually calculate all the benefits of the project, all the costs of the project. We put our annual budget back in, and then we are apportioned money by Congress every single year. So right now, we have enough money for about $100 million that's already been approved. And so we're going to start two, uh, two projects that were actually were shut down. The Diversion Inlet, that's about $46 million. That will start here. Actually, we turned it on a couple of days ago. So guys are out on the project doing work. And then we're going to go ahead and award this uh, wild rice structure. Uh, that's about $55 million. We'll get that award in the next several months. The big question is what's going to happen in the next several years. You talked about funding. I think six or seven years of the project is all contingent upon what we, will, what we call efficient funding. So the federal share has to continue to come across or that date could change. Now, if in fact there was faster funding, then that date could very easily get shorter. So it's, it's strictly dependent on how much time, uh, the time is dependent on how much money we come across. I think that because we have seen Congress continue to apportion additional money above and beyond what the administration does, if in fact Congress were to do that again, we have the authority to be able to recommend to Congress where that money would go. And this was a project that I think would compete very, very competitively for what we call FY20 work plan money. And that would be able to infuse some additional money uh, in the short term based on what Congress's decision is. Some people in the state have said to me, hey Chris, if, if we didn't have the feds or the core involved in this project, we could probably do it for less money because they talk about a large administrative cost. So for example, out of that $100 million you just said that's appropriated, how much of that goes for an administrative cost to the core? Yeah, so the core is a reimbursable organization, so none of your taxes go to pay for core salaries, is a good example, okay? So my guys come in and then we basically work off of a reimbursable rate. Uh, I, I think it's a nominal charge of somewhere around 5.7%, something like that, and therefore then that is what we pay our guys to be the designers, uh, all the guys that are doing the project management, the guys on the ground checking the concrete, making sure the contractor's doing the right job. So we like to think that's a very, very manageable fee. If you match that against industry, anybody that were to be 
be this, do the same kind of business. I think that that rate is uh, far below uh, what what a, um, a private uh, rate would be. But I think what's more important than that is that we just don't bring oversight. We bring a passion to get a project done. We want to be part of the team. We want to be collaborative. We want to make sure that we're thinking through all the different variables, and we want to make sure we can do whatever we can to get it across the finish line. So roughly 5%. You said that our taxpayers aren't paying. I guess that doesn't compute for me. Because so if you were to think of somebody in the state house, you're paying taxes to the state, and they pay salaries. So my guys don't get any actual salaries that come out of the federal government. You buy a project, and then there's a portion of that project that pays my guy's salary. But it's our tax to have these. You got to buy the project, right? Project. Okay. But what that does is it causes us to be very, very efficient because I want to make sure that we can deliver this project on time, ahead of schedule, but at a cost which is certainly more than competitive to what private industry is. And then we also bring the ability to be able to be collaborative with the rest of the federal family. That's a big deal. Our ability and our experience on how to get through permitting, how to be able to work with the environmental sector, how do you be able to work with state DNRs, how do you work with OMB. The, the ability to be the integrator, perhaps, of the rest of those entities, that's probably where our guy's best skill set is. You could probably hire somebody to do concrete and steel, but the ability to work through the permitting process and to be able to attain five or six years of funding in a very, very deliberate, consistent manner, I think those are the things that not just the core, but the federal family continues to be a valuable member of this team. The Minnesota DNR has laid out, I think, roughly 50 conditions <coughs> to be met. Uh, are you committed to meeting all those conditions? Um, I'm not exactly uh, 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 real smart on all 50 of those. I know my guys have said, and I just heard the commissioner downstairs, that it is going to be, it, we're going to do every single thing we can to be able to meet those conditions. And I am not aware of any conditions right now that we aren't going to meet. Now, on the other hand, if this is a hard project, um, you don't go into a project of this scale without having an obstacle every now and then. I think what's most important is when we begin to see uh, either a friction point or we can begin to see an obstacle, the most important thing we got to do is communicate. we got to lay it on the table. We bring all this, like today. Uh, and over down there, we brought all the leaders together. We walked through different issues. Um, and to be able to be attentive to the needs of everybody, to understand uh, if there are some things that are very, very specific that either the state or the local governments or whatever state it is, um, that we've got to be able to figure out, is there a way we can find a consensus here? And I'd like to think we can do that with common sense and engineers instead of lawyers and judges. So this project, I think, is going to be one of the first PPP public-private partnerships that's going to be done. Is that type of partnership transferable to other projects as well across America. It definitely is. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited about it. Now, I care about it from the flood control perspective here. I think my backlog right now in the Corps of Engineers is $98 billion. I have a quarter of a trillion dollars of concrete in the ground. This is projects that we've been building for 243 years, okay? A quarter of a trillion. 50% of those are over 50 years old. So this whole idea that we as a country have to invest in our infrastructure, we've got to do that. And not only do we have to repair the things that are already done, but projects like this, where we continue to have threat to life safety, we've got to invest in those as well. The challenge is, is we don't have the amount of taxpayer dollars, and we don't have just the depth in the federal budget to be able to even come close to paying that out. So unless we as a government are innovative in how we can think through better ways of funding, what are some different architectures out there? P3 is a great example. And if, as we go down through this architecture, which is the current plan, this would be the first um, private-public partnership that we would actually go into. Um, just an example. Uh, if we were to do this the regular way, it could take um, the federal government and the state 16 years to do it. 
with the money invested through the private say, uh, sector, it'd be about 6.5. So that's a almost a 10 year savings by bringing a private partner in. If we were to do it the normal way, it would have been 28, pro project, 28 contracts. By bringing in the private contractor, we're down to 11 contracts. So that's an awful lot more efficient. And then even the cost of the federal government, um, we're, we're, it, we're, it's cheaper for the federal government because therefore somebody else is putting skin in the game to be able to make this happen. So I'm not saying that this is necessarily the perfect way to do it, but if we don't at least go down this road and, 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 and understand that there could be some innovative financing tools that private industry is using, states are using, why wouldn't the federal government at least want to try one to see what's the pros and cons? So exactly what you said, how do we transfer those back to other projects and actually save the taxpayers money in the long run? I think it's a worthy cause to try to think out of the box and do something innovative. Thank you very much to Lieutenant General Seminite for his time and obviously insight today. I'd love to know your point of view. We heard there about what's happening down at the border as well as the diversion.